Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the Work With Me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. My guest today is Mitali Depokesta, a former ghostwriter turned book consultant and publisher who's on a mission to turn vegan experts, business owners and C-suite executives into authors. Her new book, The Freedom Master Plan, Put Your Mission, Movement and Message on the Map, that's a nice bit of alliteration there, is a practical guide to how to, on how to free yourself from selling and chasing clients or investors by writing a high-value business book and, importantly, how to leverage it. Now, the book, which is an Amazon bestseller in several categories, sets out more than 20 proven strategies designed to dramatically increase your referrals, boost your profits, and even build additional income streams. In fact, as a ghostwriter, Mitali wrote seven business books and generated more than six and a half million dollars in additional revenue for her clients. Matali has writing in her blood. Despite not speaking a word of English, by the age of four, she taught herself to read in school libraries and co-wrote an episode of popular British soap opera Brookside at the age of just 16. She recently renamed her book consulting and publishing company to The Vegan Publisher and offers a training program for anyone who wants to self-publish, as well as an application-only hybrid model of publishing where she works with you and step-by-step to guide you through writing your book, which is then published under her Let's Tell Your Story imprint. Welcome to the show, Mitali. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So you've got such an interesting backstory and obviously I know that in full disclosure I'm working with Mitali on PR so I've I've got to know her her story and her history and her her talent etc quite in depth so I just want to before we get into the the deep dive into writing and publishing a a, a book just give us a little bit of a a little bit of 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 information about you Mitali and like for example I know you grew up in Gateshead in the north of England Uh, for a long time you felt you didn't fit in any where you eventually went down a path of addiction uh, before finding your way back to writing and publishing um, and then becoming a ghostwriter for some of the UK's top business leaders. So just expand on that a little, just to give our listeners and viewers a little bit of an insight into you and your your fascinating story. Well, I mean, you kind of said it in a nutshell, really. So, yeah, I was um, was born in in Gateshead to um, Indian Bengali immigrants. 
Um, it was an unusual place to bring me up. I mean, what you tend to find is people of certain ethnicities tend to congregate in certain areas of a, a foreign country. Uh, my dad decided he wasn't going to do that, so he decided to pick the whitest city in the UK and have me there, as he, as he did. So, um, I mean, now I look back and I realise it's actually a great thing because it allowed me to really understand what it feels like to be an outsider. And So with age comes this understanding of why you've gone through what you went through. But at the time, I wasn't very happy. Um, I was shunned. Um, this was 80s England, so very different world to one now and um, racism still exists sadly but at least it's more subversive now back then it was out loud and proud unfortunately and um, so i had to deal with that but i also had the issues within my own culture i was um a lot darker than the rest of my family i basically got heat stroke when i was a baby um, and that turned my skin a lot darker than everybody else in my family so then this whole colorism that we have to deal with um, for people who don't know, um, colorism is basically in Asian and black communities where lighter skin is, seemed, is deemed better and the darker you are, then the less attractive you are. And it, it, there's this whole, I mean, it's linked with racism, it's linked with colonialism. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've always felt like an outsider. And I guess when you find people who do accept you, even though looking back, I now realize they only accepted me because I was doing drugs with them. But at the time, you don't care. Just being accepted by a group of people um, was good enough. So unfortunately, I started to take amphetamines with a group of kids, they were really at the time. Um, and that led me to losing my place in university. And yeah, I ended up homeless for a while and ended up in a shelter for a while. But hitting rock bottom did me the world of good. It really did. It kind of shook me to my core. The hostel that I was staying in assigned me a great life coach and addiction counsellor. Um, it took the best part of a year, but I got myself clean and I ended up going back to university and getting my degree. So it all ended quite well. Um, and yeah, it taught me a lot. It taught me that, you know, as cliche as it sounds, I had to accept myself first before I was seeking validation from other humans and, you know, it doesn't work that way. First of all, you can't keep everybody happy anyway. Um, and secondly, it doesn't matter even if people do validate you. If you don't validate yourself, it's just not going to work. That is so true. So true. And I think so many people are still doing that, you know, looking for that. And particularly with the rise of social media, which we were fortunate enough, mm. I think, not to have when we were younger and, oh, and growing God. up. It's like the validation. Yeah. Of, oh, a like. Oh, another like. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's very pertinent to what you've said. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that just kind of sets the scene nicely to just show that no matter, you know, where you've been or what your life journey is, it's possible to turn things around. Um, and here you are, uh, you know, uh, talented writer, publisher, helping to amplify uh, the vegan message and movement, uh, which I think is um, fantastic. So let's dive into the, the writing and publishing of a book specifically for, for business owners, entrepreneurs, experts. So in your book, The Freedom Master Plan, you showcase some of your clients who've leveraged their own books to generate additional income, as we mentioned earlier, at more than six and a half million dollars. So I'm wondering, could you just tell us about one or two of them and how they did that? Because obviously people People can read about that in the book and we do encourage you to obviously hop onto the freedommasterplan.com to grab a copy of your book uh, of, uh, but how just give us a couple of examples Mitali how have, did a couple of your clients manage to do that 
Well, I think the 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 overall thing with the whole, all of the case studies, all of my clients is they weren't. I, I say this in the in the book quite a lot. The book is not the business, and that's when I was interviewing them, which would have been summer of twenty twenty when I was interviewing them. That was it kind of, I kind of almost fell off my seat, metaphorically, I was still on my seat, but I kind of fell off my seat, because I, as a ghostwriter, I had no idea, my job was to write these books, and then my job was done, you know, once they were happy with the book, they paid me, and that was it, so when they started to tell me about the things they did with their book, I had no idea, because my understanding of books is what most people's understanding of books is, well, you publish it, and then Hopefully loads of people buy it and you become rich and then you retire and you're happy. And then, you know, as most authors find out, it doesn't work out that way. You know, they're lucky if they sell a few hundred copies in their lifetime. Certainly not enough money to really sustain them for even a couple of months, never mind a lifetime. Um, and when I was interviewing them, they were just saying the main thing that kept coming across again and again was they were not even bothered about making money from the books. In most cases, they were even giving their books away they were using it as a really clever sales and marketing tool. And it was money that they were making in the back end. So getting higher ticket clients, creating, you know, secondary and tertiary income streams, using it to get sponsors, donors, strategic partners. That's where the money comes in. And that's why I'm always very clear, you know, I'm very clear when I say, it's six and a half million dollars of additional business revenue. I never say anyway, oh, well, I've helped my clients, you know, create six and a half million dollars of book revenue because it's not from the book. If I actually added up how much they made from the books, I doubt between them they've made more than, I don't know, maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars between them. And that's not where the money's coming in. So, I mean, let me give you some examples. So I have one um, client, Aditya. And what she did is she started to use her book to send to um, organizations. So she's a coach, a life coach. She started to send her book out to different organizations where she knew her target audience is usually highly strong um, women in corporate careers. Um, usually they have a small family, so they're not sleeping much, bless them. They're, they're working and they've got children as well. And she shows them how to bring balance into their lives. So she started to contact a number of these women's entrepreneurial organizations. And she would approach them with, hey, I would like to actually send you a copy of my book. Straight away, that's impressive because a lot of these organizations get people saying, hey, can I do a half an hour talk at your event? And loads of people are not really giving any other value beyond that. Whereas she came out with, let me send you a copy of my book. So straight away, she's impressing them. It's like, okay, it's a published author. She means So for free, she was sending them to them for free. She said, I'm with a handwritten note and everything. You know, she's the whole charm offensive. Um, And then what ended up happening is she ended up giving a talk to a small group of around 50 women. And she took 50 books and gave them out to these women. That impressed the organizer, the national organizer. She's based in the U.S., that they said, okay, can you now do this same talk to all of our organization right around the country? So then she went off on a tour of the US where she's going to different states delivering that talk. And she's actually getting high-end clients as well. She was closing at least at least one client, which is usually worth thousands and thousands of dollars over a year. 
And she's ingratiating herself with this organization who's seeing her as this valuable ally in what they're trying to do. So that's just one example. And this is, again, it's a perfect example of someone who's not thinking, well, I don't want to lose money on the book. You know, she didn't even think of that. She's just thought, well, it's going to cost me a couple of hundred dollars to print these books out. So what? You know, the return on investment has been huge for her. So, yeah, it's that kind of attitude. It's kind of knowing that your book is really a sales and marketing tool. It's there to establish you as an expert. And people treat you as an expert now because I think, you know, we've just before we've been talking about online and how I'm so glad that when I was growing up, there wasn't, you know, any any of that influencer culture and Instagram models and that kind of stuff. Because I think it would have really affected my mental health. The other downside of the internet has been that everyone's a flipping expert now, aren't they? You go on Facebook and you've got all these gurus, and you're just like, oh, God. And most of them are very good at talking the talk, but you know, we've all experienced it. We've all spent money with various experts who didn't deliver. And that is now a normal experience, sadly. So we we all have a healthy amount of cynicism when anyone says they're an expert or anything. Yeah, really? Show me. Whereas if someone comes to you with a book, there's this shortcut that happens in the brain. It's sort of like, okay, so you've taken the time and effort and money to create a book. You must know what you're talking about. So it's what sets you apart from everybody else and that is where the money comes from i hope i hope i'm making sense. i love that yeah i think that's great i really appreciate you giving that concrete example and because i know and obviously in the book there are lots more examples and as we mentioned more than 20 different strategies that you can use but i, I love that you've shared a really concrete one so that people can start to get a picture of ah oh, okay yeah that that makes sense because it is counterintuitive i know as an author myself like to you know go to an event and hand out 50 books free of charge there is that like what uh but I, it, you you know you make the point if you can do that rather than making whatever i don't know 50 times 20 dollars whatever that is um i'm a words person not numbers. Um, you get that even just one client out of you know that group that's basically say worth thousands over the years that that makes sense so um, yeah. thank you very for explaining that and also explaining like you did about the book not being the business I think that's really important for people to hear because I think that is a a mindset um step to get over the one little bit I would love to add there is she did that because she researched who the audience is going to be and she realized it's a very small event there's only going to be around 50 ladies there and from conversing with the organizers she realized that every single one of these ladies were a potential client so it made sense so when she does bigger events more general business Mm. owner events then what she tends to do she does sell her book but she sells it at cost so she makes sure that she's not losing money because it could be someone who's not really an ideal fit for a business anyway so she prices it at whatever it costs for her to print so she doesn't make any money from it but then she's not losing any money. So it's just about being savvy. And that's what my my book is about. I would never expect anybody to read my book and implement every single strategy because your brain will explode. There's just too many things going on there. It's all about reading it and figuring out the four, five, six, seven strategies that fits your business and your personality and using it that way, not using every single strategy. And just being savvy and working like like Aditya did. She just kind of worked out, okay, this is where all my core audience is going to be. I'm going to do well by giving my book away to everybody. 
this event is going to attract 3,000 people who are general business owners. She'll bankrupt herself if she starts giving books yes. out to big events yeah. like that. So it's just it's just being tactful, basically. Nice. I like that. And it's interesting you say that you, about selling it at cost or even, you know, with a tiny profit margin, because then you can say spe- on special, which I've done at VegFest yeah. UK. It's like, you know, a special for this, co- you know, this event only. So people feel like they're getting value, which they are, obviously. But yeah, as you said, at the same time, you're not losing money. So I love that. So it's about being strategic, which is about um, what, what the book is about, which is fantastic. So let's talk to a little bit about the pros and cons of the different types of publishing so there's traditional publishing which I think most people know about where you know a publisher covers all the costs they might pay you in advance which can be very small or large depending on various things you get royalties but they have all the control Um, and then you've got self-publishing where it's kind of self-explanatory you just publish your own book and I know we've had discussions before where people can just write a rubbish book and upload it directly you know an ebook and upload it to Amazon Kindle and it gives publishing and writing a bad name and then there's hybrid publishing so tell us a bit about what the pros and the cons are of the different types of publishing well with traditional publishing I mean the pros are that someone's paying for your editing and your design and typesetting and formatting and all these wonderful professionals that you need which uh, unfortunately do cost several thousand dollars or pounds to get it right Um, I mean you can get it done for a few hundred dollars but then you see these monstrosities on Amazon don't you and you just think that doesn't even look like a proper book um so that's going to do nothing for all those things I, I talked about you know giving you authority and positioning you as an expert none of that happens if you've got a book that looks like a teenager's just knocked it together over a weekend so it kind of I see those and I just wonder why did they even bother they would have been better if they just didn't do it at all and that can actually have the opposite effect instead of building your authority it can actually damage your reputation as a business owner so I would say don't even go down that path so traditional publishing offers that carrot on a stick I guess it's like hey we'll pay for everything you don't have to pay for it the downside of of traditional publishing is really that if you are using your book in the way that I advise as a business owner business owner as an expert as an entrepreneur using it as a sales and marketing tool it's a bit like having this backseat driver that's kind of in your ear telling you what you should be doing and sometimes and it's it's okay so long as your ideas align but as soon as your ideas don't align I think of it almost like a marriage you know when you get together you're so in love and you, you see the world in the same way. 20 years later, you want to throttle them now and you're thinking, oh my, and you're wanting two completely different things. That's kind of what it's like being with a traditional publisher. You may have started off on the right path, but a year, two years into the relationship, I, I speak for all business owners, you have to be quite flexible and change with the times. Look at what's happened over the last two years with the pandemic. You know, the business owners have done really well. have been able to just pivot and go, okay, let's do something different. Well, guess what? If that, whatever your pivot was, if that didn't align with what your publisher wanted, they could just go, no, we're not going to do that. It's got nothing to do with us if you want to change your the way you want to do things. It is like having a backseat driver who may not always have your best interests at heart because they have a business to run themselves. And they're, well, they're in the business of making as much money from your book as possible to pay for the fact that they paid for your editing and your design and your formatting and all the rest of it. Whereas your goal is to have a flourishing business. 
So that's where the issue is with traditional publishing. I will say that if you're writing fiction or a children's book, even then there is an argument for self-publishing, but there's a, a quite a good argument for traditional publishing as well, because at least you have somebody else who takes care of all the professional services for you. But if you're writing a non-fiction how-to self-help or business book that ties in with what you're already doing, I can't see an argument for traditional publishing because, like I said, it becomes very, very difficult because you've got somebody else now who is in control of what essentially is a marketing tool for you, and yet you could be hindered in using it the way you want to use it. So that's a traditional publishing. Well, self-publishing, I think you've kind of said it in a nutshell, the wonderful thing about self-publishing. I'm a big fan of self-publishing because I love the fact that there's something very egalitarian about self-publishing. Before self-publishing, all the power was with these high and mighty publishers. And, you know, we've now talked about it over the last few years. It's become very obvious there is unconscious bias that happens with people in terms of gender, in terms of race, in, in terms of socioeconomics. And these publishers, not their faults, just how they're made up, are mainly made up of middle-class white people, usually men. So guess who the biggest authors were? Pretty much since the dawn of time, they've been middle-aged white men. Even, I mean, even Beatrix Potter had to self-publish her very first book because she was writing at a time where women were deemed unable to write for children, which makes no sense, bearing in mind they're the biggest caregiver. So that made no sense to me whatsoever. So even Beatrix Potter had to self-publish her book. I love self-publishing because it means anybody who now feels that they've got a story to say, they've got a message, they've got a mission, go and self-publish. You don't have to sit there and wait for someone who probably doesn't understand you because of your gender or your race or your sexual orientation or whatever it is. You don't have to get the green light now from a heteronormative publisher. It's You can say what you want to say. But it's a double-edged sword. It does mean that every idiot, sadly, now, now goes and self-publishes. And I've seen some horrible monstrosities. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen them, 35-page wonder. And, um, it's just basically a load of blog posts just been tacked together and published on Amazon. And that person's now calling themselves an author. And you're thinking, that's not a real book, so you're not really an author. So the idea of a hybrid publisher is to sit in the middle of that. And that's kind of what I do in that I allow people to self-publish so they have complete control of their book. It's published on their Amazon account, not my account. So once it's done, I know some other hybrid publishers insist that they publish it. But again, I don't like that because what they're doing is then they've got you over a barrel. You now, I assume, have to pay them a monthly or quarterly. or That's what happened with tra one of Tracy's books. We did that with one of hers in 2013. And like when we wanted to make some changes, they were like, oh, well, we're going to have to do that and we'll charge you a fee. And it was like, yeah, we thought, well, well, this is our book and we paid to publish it. And yet they were wanting money from us, yeah, down the track. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, on that. I've heard loads of hybrid publishers. Again, I don't like that because it's just the idea that this is a marketing tool for a entrepreneur, an expert, an influencer, why would I be charging them? I mean, I can just show them how to use the account and they can just go in and change things themselves. You know, it shouldn't really be 
costing them anything to just go and change the price or just change a tiny thing here and there they should be able to do if they want to change vast swathes of the book then yeah they need to come to me and we need to rewrite it have it redesigned of course there's a fee involved there but changing yeah. bits and pieces you should be able to do so what i do is i make sure that all my clients publish their books on their own amazon accounts so they're fully aware of how the kdp system works and then that's it they've got their own account i have no access to it anymore and they're in complete control but you're getting somebody who knows how to get a book to professional publishing standards so my goal is to give you the best of both worlds you're not kind of running blind a little bit and you end up publishing some monstrosity on Amazon that doesn't do anything for your reputation. Well, actually, it could damage your reputation. And at the same time, just to get that high standard, you're not now tied into a contract with a publisher who's now doing that whole backseat driving thing and telling you what to do with your book. And you can also choose when to publish. Well, I know with traditional publishing, you're on their timeline. I know so many authors that have had their books pushed back and pushed back. And if you've particularly got something coming up that you would like, you know, you're banking on your book coming out at a particular time, it's out of your control again. So there's that. So with the hybrid publisher, just to be clear, so people are paying for the services that are involved to produce a book but they're working in tandem with you and your whole team and you've got a whole team of vegan editors proofreaders indexers cover designers formatters typesetters um so all that is done for them they're obviously person has to invest in that but it's you're guiding them through every step of the way and then they're being published under your let's tell your story imprint which i think is important for you to know because even though you've rebranded your umbrella company as the vegan publisher there are many vegan authors that might be writing books that are nothing to do with veganism, um, but, but and they might not want to be published under the vegan publisher imprint, but they've got the option to be published under the Let's Tell Your Story imprint. Um, so that's what hybrid publishing is. It's, it's kind of a bit like self-publishing in that the author is investing, but you're going with a reputable company such as, such as yourself who is guiding people throughout the process to create a book that is of just as high quality as a traditional publisher is that right have yeah. I got that in a nutshell yeah that's you said that beautifully that's <clears throat> it, that's absolutely correct it's just trying to bridge that gap because at the moment without hybrid publishers you are it's been being stuck in between a rock and a hard place it's all like you're either on your own which is if you have never had any experience of writing and publishing a book where on earth do you start and of course you're going to make mistakes you're doing anything the very first time you're going to make mistakes um, and, and the other option is going to a traditional publisher. And like I said, if you're using, you know, if you've got an event coming up, for example, you want to be, first of all, you want to make sure you're published before them. You might, I've even had some clients have changed their covers specifically for an event and they made a new cover for an event. Now, if that was with a traditional publisher, most of them would say no, because they'll just say, no, that's going to confuse things, you know. And secondly, even if they do say yes, you're on their timeline. So it could be they have a ton of other work, six months worth of work or even a year's worth of work, and you get added on to the end of that queue. And it doesn't matter if you've got something coming up earlier than that. That's not their problem because they're running on their own timeline. They're running their business. So, yeah. That's exactly what hybrid publishing is. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know the type of service which we've mentioned. So, yes, you're writing the book, but then it's got to be edited. And that could be, you know, two or three rounds of editing. Then there's proofreading, which is slightly different. Like proofreading is kind of right at the end where you're really just more picking up 
just you know real like typos or spelling errors um some books might want an index not all of them but some might and then there's the cover design to have a, and not just the front cover but obviously if you're having you know which is highly recommended a, a hardback or a paperback you've got to make sure the isbn number which is the specific number for your book so it can be found by distributors and, and, and booksellers etc the barcode's got to be in the right place it's got to be the right size the, t the text has all got to be nicely formatted so you know it, it doesn't look horrible like there's a lot that goes into it and so can you give us an idea Mitali and I know this is a ballpark figure but just so people have some idea of like they're watching or listening thinking yeah I'm, I'm ready I want to write a book what if they were to publish through the vegan publisher or through your imprint let's tell your story and work with you in that way what are some ballpark costs for them to go from beginning to having a published book in their hand well, regarding editing, uh, design, typesetting, I usually assign around about £4,000. Sometimes I don't need to use... So that's what's that in dollars, US that, dollars? Yeah, so gosh, it, that £4,000, so that would be, what is that, about $4,800, maybe $5,000. Okay, right, I always okay. sign that. There's some clients of mine where, you know, the book was quite simple. It didn't have a lot of graphics, not a lot of photos in it or anything like that. Um, it was quite simple language as well. There wasn't a lot of technical language that the editor had to really make sure it's it's correct and go and do some research. It all depends on what you're writing about, how long it is, and how many graphics and infographics and photos and that kind of thing that you're using. Um, I have been able to publish some people under $3,000. And then there's been some people who've really been pushing it over $5,000. So it really just depends. But that's kind of the main thing to remember is you're looking in thousands and not hundreds. I always worry when people say, oh, I've had a quote and, you know, they can do everything for $800. I'm going, I'm sorry, they're doing what are they doing? They're editing, they're designing, they're typesetting, they're formatting. They're doing everything for it. It's just not possible. And then I worry about the quality of what's being created. Um, what I would say is if you're now sat there thinking, I don't have that kind of money, what I would say, rather than going to these really cheap providers where you're probably not going to get what you really want, is look at other ways that you can get your book out in a way that may not be as great as a major publisher, but it's good enough. So, for example, I've got um, I've got a program where it's it's just a package of. 34 different non-fiction book covers and then you can just choose one they're photoshop files and then they're already laid out so you can just go in and just change it to your book title then i wouldn't really mess around with it because then again you're messing with the design it's like my designers have created this so they understand things like negative space and stuff that really makes blows my mind because i'm not a I'm not a, a person like that. I'm a word person. That's why I'm a book consultant. So I don't really understand how it works, but they've designed these covers so that you can literally go and you can change the colors a little bit, put in, but don't change it too much because it's already been designed. And then that is so much better than paying someone maybe $200 to create a cover design and it's, it's terrible, you know? So yeah. I would say there are ways around it. You're, Using one of those covers, it's not going to be exactly your cover. I'm a big believer that your cover should reflect you. I mean, my my cover was created from scratch, and it was something that I did in 
conjunction with my designer, with one of my designers. And it was such a lovely process because I just came to it thinking, what does the word freedom to me? And then I realized freedom means to me sky. And I could just visualize sky and clouds. And, and then she decided to add in the aeroplanes. I don't know where that came from, but I just loved it. I was like, paper aeroplanes. I don't know why I didn't think of that. So it's such a lovely process because the cover is mine. It's it's my cover. You won't get that with one of these templates because they're already pre-designed. But yeah. even that is better than some terrible designer that you haven't vetted who's quoting you, uh, you know, a silly low figure. Um, so I would say I think in terms of thousands of dollars, somewhere between at the lowest end, around two and a half, three thousand dollars, up to five thousand dollars. But if you're thinking, "Oh my God, I can't do that," come and speak to me. I do have things in place for people who can't afford that. And like I said, it won't be exactly what you want, but it'll be better than going with a cheap designer or a cheap typesetter who can just or a cheap editor. I mean, I will say I've seen some people who've worked with editors, and I've looked at the manuscript and just thought, honestly. It would have been better for you just to get a month subscription of Grammarly. It would have done better than that. And I always say that. I'll say if you can't afford an editor, go to Grammarly. I think it's about $30 for a month. Get get the pro version of Grammarly for a month or two and use that. You know, even that is better than a cheap editor who doesn't really know what they're doing. Yeah. So there are there is software and there are templates and things you can use if you can't afford to have the whole bespoke package having a designer and a typesetter and an editor there are ways around it got it I love that I love that you offer those different options I think that shows the benefits of working with someone like you instead of and you can get it done quicker as well because you've got all that guidance from me you've got the professionals in place um, and you keeping everybody on track including the author whereas you know stumbling around in the dark uh, like you said you know you're bound to make mistakes um so but it's good that there are different options um that you do including your training package as well for people who decide no you know what I, I do want to self-publish but I don't want to have to spend ages trying to figure out how to do that they can go through your your program as well so I love that you've got those different options as well as the bespoke um packages uh, and it is an investment like you said this is not just a book that you publish and you know show your family and then have loads of copies sitting in your garage or you know on your coffee table just for vanity like it is an investment in marketing so if you're going to invest in you know social media ads or you know any other form of mar paid marketing this is a, an investment and we've already seen from your example that you gave of the, your, the woman you spoke of earlier who you know reaped that back probably hundredfold thousandfold uh, of her initial investment so I think oh, that's she's a, doing incredible now yeah. it's just incredible what she's doing um and it's it's affected <clears throat> everything in her business now she's now seen as a keynote speaker so she's now no longer just a life coach, she's a keynote speaker. So guess what that means? That means she should actually charge more as a life coach as well. So everything raises up, you know, and yeah, it is all about being clever with it and being strategic with it. That's the word that you use, being strategic with your book. I'm yeah, really very different kind of book. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's obviously a value for people. People are going to get great value like they do from the Freedom Mass Pen. They're going to get great value. But it is, as you say, it's a, a sales and marketing tool. And I know there's maybe some people who are watching and listening who maybe are already authors or they've been published by traditional authors who are cringing, you know, at the idea of a book. It shouldn't be, you know, it should be something to read with pleasure. And it's not a sales and marketing tool. But look, it is what it is. It's a, This is a particular type of book. If it's not the type of book you want to write, that's great. But it, it is something 
something helpful, I think, for, for particularly our audience on Vegan Business Talk, which is vegan business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, creatives, experts, influencers, except you to your target audience, whoever they are, and that's going to help to boost your business because that's a win all around, you know, because we want more vegan authors um, spreading whatever messages they're, they're spreading to make the world a better place. So I love that. So look, I want to end, Miss Harley, with the, we've talked about how important it is to write a book, the different ways that you can publish, ways to work with you, <clears throat> um, and uh, how to leverage a book. But I know there's going to be people going, oh, this sounds great. I would really love to write a book, but I can't write. I am not a writer. How do I do this? Now, <clears throat> I know you offer ghostwriting services, which is slightly different, where you know, someone will write under your your name. But for those who, you know, maybe either can't afford or, or don't want that package, they, they want to kind of have a go, but they're not confident in their writing. Can you give us, and I know there's a bonus chapter in the Freedom Master Plan on how to write a book. Can you give us maybe one or two tips on a, a particular tip or strategy for someone who doesn't consider themselves a writer on how they can write a book? Okay, well, the first thing is um, stop panicking. <laughs> there's, there's something that happens to a lot of people as soon as the idea of writing a book. I've seen some very capable people, quite impressive people, suddenly come down with, you know, a dose of imposter syndrome at the thought of writing a book. And I always say, well, especially as a vegan or ethical or plant-based entrepreneur, if you think about it, a lot of what you're doing in your marketing is educating anyway. You know, think about, you know, the blog posts that you write and um, the LinkedIn posts that you write. I bet a lot of it is you're educating people on the fact that what they're doing, things that they're buying are actually causing torture to animals or it's not sustainable for the planet and why your option is better. A lot of your sales is coming from educating. All a book is, is just doing that on a bigger scale. So it's really just distilling all of that knowledge and expertise into a book so I found that whenever I'm, I'm talking to my clients and I put it in that way they seem to I can almost visibly see their shoulders sink a little and go oh, that makes me feel more relaxed it's not because I think there's this belief you have to birth this brand new thing and that can feel daunting and it's like you're not I'm not asking you to be the next JK Rowling and come out with the seventh Harry Potter book it's not this new thing it's what you're already doing and you're doing it you're educating people you're just going to do that on a bit of a grander scale. That's that's literally all you're doing. So then they go, oh, well, I, I know everything there is to know about my business and my products. So, well, that's it. That's all you're doing is talking about that. The second tip I would say is start mind mapping. I'm amazed how many people still don't really use mind maps. I use them not just for books. I use mind mapping for my business. I use it for my social media um, planning. Uh, it's a really great way of, I think, I don't know why, I think we've been taught from a very early age to make lists. So whenever you have to-do lists, the problem with lists are that's not how the human brain works. The human brain doesn't make lists. It's just not how it works. If you ever look at our brain through a brain scan, you'll see that whenever I'm in thought, we have like these synapses just flash off everywhere. That's kind of what a mind map is doing. So when you have ideas, you can just put the idea in and you can move that idea along to fit in with something else you put in there later. And it's just more flexible. When you start creating mind maps, it really helps. So what I would say is don't torture yourself with, oh my God, I need to write this book today. Instead, just build a mind map. So whenever you're doing anything in your business, perhaps you've got a great client and you had a great conversation and you go, that needs to go into my book. Get open your mind map put in a few bits that you want to put in, 
forget about it now and just leave it. And then when you come back to something else that's really interesting, it's like that needs to go into my book, go back into your mind map, add it in, see where it needs adding on in relation to whatever else you've got there, and then leave it alone, come back. You do that for a few months, and the thing is you'll have most of what needs to go into your book without you even realizing. And it's such a stress-free way to bring a book together. You're not forcing yourself to write from, I think a lot of people want to write a book in the same way they read a book, which is beginning, middle and end. Whereas I teach my clients that no, you're going to, you don't have to write it or even plan it in sequence. You're just going to mind map everything out. Whenever things come to you, you just put them in and then we will look at it as a whole and see if we can start making some sort of cohesive sense out of it. And then it starts to build it starts to build together. The final thing, I know you said two. I love that. Just before we go on to the final thing, just for people who don't know, so a mind map is basically a visual representation and you can do it handwritten like I did for my book. I did mine on a, a, a great big, like an a art um, pad. Um, and you just literally, because I can't draw to save my life, you can literally <laughs> like draw a color, get some color crayons, you draw a colored circle and you might write in the central you know, idea of your book. And then you just kind of draw these different branches and just write in what they are. And like you said, they kind of end up looking like a map of your brain with these little synapses following, uh, you know, coming out of them. And you can get software for it if you're someone who likes to do it online. You can get either online mind mapping or or just literally do it by hand. So if you just Google mind mapping, but it's just a very simple visual representation um, of your ideas. But okay, final final step. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, the software that I like using is mind42.com, and it's free. So it's mind and then the numbers 42.com. Um, it's very simple. So if you're really wanting like a snazzy mind mapping software that has colors and galore, and it won't have that, it's a free software. So if you need that, you'll need to pay for something. But it works for me and my clients, and we are able to create these really huge mind maps of 350, 400 plus points on there. Everything that needs to go into the book goes into the mind map. And it's, it's just a fantastic way of planning. I use it for my social media as well. Like if I get an idea, I stick it on my social media mind map, and then I can come back to it later and create a post around it. So it works really, really well. The final thing I was going to say is one thing that really seems to stop a lot of people is they start getting overwhelmed with the whole book idea. And they start to think, I don't know how to structure a book. Um, I was terrible at English when I was at school. My English teacher used to shout at me because my grammar was terrible. And I said, that's not your wheelhouse. Stop worrying about things that are not your wheelhouse. Your wheelhouse is you're the expert at what you do. And as a, especially as a vegan, plant-based, ethical entrepreneur, you have a duty to get your message out there in, in as big a way as feasibly possible so we can start getting to that vegan normal world that we all keep dreaming about. So that is what you should be concentrating on. Everything else, all the other stuff is stuff that a good book consultant, a good editor, a good designer, that is their wheelhouse, you know, that's our job. And I always tell my clients, why are you worrying about things that's not for you to worry about? I need to worry about structure. I need to worry about your grammar. You know, that's a great editor will sort that out. Your only job is to just download your expertise of which you are an expert of, otherwise you wouldn't even have a, a business just downloading that into a manuscript. That's the only thing you should be concentrating on. How are you going to give value to that reader so you move them from A to B? 
I love that and I guess one tip as well would be if if you really like can't stand the idea of writing or typing is to actually speak like record your thoughts and your ideas Um, and then you can whack it through a transcription like through otter or something and then you've got it so if you really cut the I I just can't write but I do want to have a book you can literally just speak like you've got you've got phones now you know if you're uh, wherever you are you know and you get an idea you of course you can add it to your mind map but you know you can also just speak it um and then as you say Matali you know the people are working with you your team of experts does all the rest so I hope that allays really interesting people's you mind. said that because my clients use otter and that works nicely with the mind because it's really difficult to dictate if you don't know what you're dictating there's a lot of um uh and it becomes difficult whereas if you have a mind map you kind of know what you need to say so the dictation process works because of the mind mapping process so they kind of work together yeah so I think I hope that allays people's fears if they're thinking yeah I really would love to have my own book but I just can't write I hope that's allayed your fears that it is perfectly possible to write a high quality book and have a high quality professional published book uh you know within six months um if that's what you want um and obviously by working with um Mitali that you know that that really helps the process because you're guided every single step of the way I think that's been super helpful I hope that's inspired a lot of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs to become authors and and to use and leverage their book as a sales tool while spreading their message out into the world so Mitali it's been wonderful speaking with you is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we wrap up um, final thought is just, you know, I think I've already said it, don't be overwhelmed. Uh, one of the, I think I always say writing a book feels like this huge mountain that you have to climb. And what you're doing is you're concentrating on the summit. And if all you're doing is concentrating on the summit, then of course you're going to get overwhelmed because you're right at the bottom right now. And I will say instead, just concentrate on doing one thing at a time. Just look down at your feet and put one foot in front of the other stop thinking about the summit and just literally like right I need to plan this out of my chapter I need to do that just literally put one step in front of the other and the next thing you know you're at the top of the mountain you didn't even realize a lot of my clients do that you know uh, you know after three months they're like oh my god my book is finished how on earth did that happen because they weren't <laughs> even looking at the end they were just trusting the process and just doing the work and if you just concentrate on the day-to-day whether it's an hour a day that you put into your book or whether you assign, I don't know, half a day on a Friday and that's your book day, just concentrate on just getting that little thing done and forget the rest of it and it will all come together. I love that you mentioned that, that people can do that time-wise, whether it's, yeah, if you want write every single day for an hour or half an hour or you allocate a day or a half day a week. So I think that's super helpful, particularly for people who are running their own businesses who are busy 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 it's like yes wouldn't it be lovely if we could all just go off to a writer's retreat for six months and come out with our book but that's not <laughs> practical for no. you know particularly for experts and entrepreneurs so I love that you can do that quite realistically and sustainably um, and yes of course it's going to take you know work etc but you can still do that sustainably while still running your your vegan business Matali it's been wonderful speaking with you so people do head over to the freedommasterplan.com where you can find out how to buy Matali's book and and um, 
you can wherever you buy it you can then go back to the freedom master plan put in the receipt for your book and Matali's got a whole load of free bonuses you can get simply for buying the book so that's a no-brainer so make sure you grab your copy uh, paperback or kindle at the freedommasterplan.com and you can find out about Matali's services including her uh, self-study um, expert program at theveganpublisher.com if you are watching this episode you'll see those links scrolling along the bottom of the screen and if you're listening to the audio version of this episode those links will all be in the show notes page it's been such a pleasure speaking with you Mitali thanks so much for joining me so that's it for this episode of vegan business talk I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 